Did you really make it to the second episode? Hey guys, this is Jamal, back again with you uh, with another episode of, of African Descent. This episode is actually going to be about Elijah Abel. He's one of the earliest members of the LDS Church, who was also African American, that there are records of. Um, and our guest is going to be George again. I apologize in advance. Uh, we'll see about getting someone new for the third episode. But guys, once again, thanks for joining us. And I hope you like episode two. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again here on another wonderful episode of, of African Descent. I am here with my best friend again, George. Uh, George, if you could just give a little, another little introduction to the people real quick. Tell them who y'all, what you about. Uh, George from D.C., uh, biology education major, um, love hip-hop anime. Uh, let's get this glucose. Hip-hop and anime. I would love a anime. Uh, an anime about hip hop. So anybody hey, listening and has the hey, capacities for that, that you shouldn't that's have said what we that. Need. That's a million dollar idea right there. That's what we need. That's okay. We need to get online with that. We need to hit some people up. Um, but yeah, guys, this is my my best friend George. Um, he's in a couple other episodes. So if you just you know click around on our, on our medias, you'll you'll probably find him here and there talking a little bit. But uh, I'm excited to get into what we're talking about today. Um. I sent George over all the study materials, um, and you can find everything down on just our show notes on any of our social medias or where this is posted, wherever you're listening to it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Mr. Elijah Abel, yet another very early black or African-American member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I think we should just start off because we like to kind of We'd kind of like to read our material and, and talk about it as we go so then our listeners and viewers, not viewers, but listeners can kind of go along with us and we can be on the same page, literally. So um, <laughs> we're going to have... Tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Um, we're going we're gonna to start off with the uh, Biographical Encyclopedia. It's the LDS Biographical Encyclopedia. They have a little page. It's a very old book um but it's digitized and it's on the on the website and you can just go um yeah it's it's on the it's on the the show site what is it show notes yeah it's on the show notes you'll be able to see it all there but the biographical encyclopedia has elijah abel on page 577 and it starts off saying elijah abel the only colored man who is known to have been ordained to the priesthood was born July 25th, 1810, in Maryland. Shout out to everybody from Maryland. Uh, George and I from D.C. For those of you do, who don't know, we call uh, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. We kind of group them together and call them the DMV. So just a little fun fact for you. Um, <laughs> but he was the only one to have known to have ordained, uh, been ordained to the priesthood on July 25th, 1810, uh, becoming a convert to Mormonism, he was baptized in September 1832 by Ezekiel Roberts, and as appears from certificates, he was ordained an elder March 3rd, 1836, and a 70 April 4th, 1841. He was in the quorum of the 70. An exception, this was an exception having been made in his case with regard to the general rule of the church in relation to colored people. It says colored people. Now, for those of you um, who don't really know, George and I, 
um, we hate the, the phrase colored people. We it's it's a definitely a dehumanizing term. Yeah. It's not in your repertoire of racism. It's not the worst thing that could be said, but it's it's not the best. It's not or the blacks. Yeah, it's it's just no, not. No one wants a to hear that term. No one wants to hear that, man. Change that. Um, but yes, no, but but yeah, he was the first one to have been ordained to the priesthood, which I think is, you know, pretty awesome, pretty cool thing. Um, and then he was not only ordained to the priesthood, he was made an elder and joined the seventy all before eighteen forty one. Which is very monumental for the time. Yeah. Blacks weren't even allowed to get the priesthood until a good twenty years later. Like a good twenty years after he was in the seventy. Um, and I, I, I think that's worth acknowledging because at the mo at the time when he was baptized and put into the church, Joseph Smith was still around. Um, and we're gonna go on a little later about um, just a little bit more about him and his time in the seventy. Uh, but George, can you take that away? The the next part. Yep. Uh, at Nauvoo, Illinois, where he resided, he followed the advocation of an undertaker. Uh, after his arrival in Salt Lake City, he became a resident of the 10th Ward, and together with his wife, he he managed the Farm ha- Farnham Hotel in Salt Lake City. In Nauvoo, he was intimately acquainted with Prophet Joseph Smith, and later in life was the special friend of the late Levi W. Hancock. And I think... It- when it says he was all he was intimately acquainted with the prophet Joseph Smith, just means he was you know, he knew close. Him well. Yeah, yeah. they're good friends. For for those of you who aren't LDS, it just means that they were really good friends. Yeah, I don't think they were uh, romantically Actually. involved. Yeah, no, but yeah, George Gibrian. Um in 1883, as a member of the Third Quorum of the Seventy, um, he left Salt Lake City on a mission to Canada during which he also performed missionary labors in the United States. Two weeks after his return, he died December 25th, 1884 of debility, debility, uh, consequent upon exposure while laboring in the ministry in Ohio. He died in full faith of the gospel. Seems to be a reoccurring thing. Um, I love how they just put that in there. That's the last (laughs) sentence. Died in full faith. It is the biographical encyclopedia of the LDS Church. So, um, but yeah, interesting little short summary of his of his life. Super um, short too. Like for those of you who who will go on and look at this in the show notes, you'll notice that this is considerably short in comparison to the other um, other resources. Entries. Yeah, for sure. Um, even compared to the next one. And the next source that we have is from BlackLDS.org, and it's a little uh, biography of Elijah Abel. And this one has a little bit more detail, um, has a little bit more of what we actually want to tell you guys about today. Um, some of that good old knowledge that, you know, most people don't have, most members of the church at least don't have about African Americans, early African Americans in the church history. Uh, but Elijah Abel on BlackLDS.org, it starts off, Elijah Abel was born in Maryland and is believed to have used the Underground Railway to escape slavery by traveling to Canada. His parents were Delilah and Andrew Abel. He was baptized on September 1832, married to Mary Ann Adams. Uh, Then it goes on a little bit to talk again about how he was ordained an elder of the church, March 1836. And then it says here, from the evidence we have, we believe he was ordained by Joseph Smith, which is what most 
most members of the church believe, like a vast majority of the church believe. And that goes along with our thinking, too, that Joseph Smith, um, from all of the evidence we've seen, suggests that he was not racist and that he was a genuine good person in the regard of, uh, of treating black people with respect. Yeah. From my research, he was he was he treated black people respectfully, and I yeah I didn't see any anything bad about him. Yeah, we can't prove that he wasn't, but we don't have any evidence that suggests that he was. Regarding black people, regarding, yeah, regarding black people, regarding people of color, that kind of thing. Um, it goes on to say uh, he was ordained by Joseph Smith in December of the same year. He is ordained at seventy and becomes a in quotations duly licensed minister of the gospel in quotations, uh, for missionary work in Ohio. And then it talks about how he served a mission over up in New York. Shout out to New York. Yeah. And then in Canada. Shout out to Canada. Um, the ordination was performed by Zebedee Coltrane. And then it goes on a little bit more to talk about uh, he was made a member of the 70, the Nauvoo 70 Squorm, at the request of Joseph Smith. So not only did Joseph Smith, the prophet of the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, baptize Elijah Abel, but he also personally requested that he be made a member of the 70. And he did. And in 1843, he served another mission for the church. And then in 1847, he, he arrived in Utah. He was a carpenter by trade, and so he worked on the Salt Lake Temple. Uh, and then he and his wife, Marianne, managed the hotel like we heard about earlier. Um, and then it does say that Marianne was African-American uh, on the document, though. It says that Marianne was Negro, according to the 1850 Hamilton, Ohio census and the 1860 Utah census. Once again, guys, not a great term. Not a great term. That's, that's, that ain't it. That ain't it. That's that not what we want to hear. Um, and then it says in 1853, Elijah asked to receive his endowment and was denied by Brigham Young. Um, yeah, so... Um, so the general the general thing that we've been able to to glean from our research is Joseph Smith um, wasn't super racist, um, but we have a lot of evidence that suggests Brigham Young was uh, was pretty racist. If you want to keep reading yeah. them all, yeah, no, one hundred percent. It goes on later to say in eighteen eighty three he is still on church records as a seventy. So that means he asked to receive his endowment. In 1853, and then 30 years later, he was still on record as a 70. But then the next year, 31 years later, in 1884, he was sent on another mission. He returned and died in December of 1884. Kind of crazy, right? He straight up was denied his endowment by Brigham Young. They kind of, and they also kind of nulled his his standing in the in the 70. I said, no, that's you know that's not really a thing. That didn't really happen. And so some people say that, um, I've heard some people in church, actually, like on Sundays in church, say that he was an, he was an honorary member of the 70, thanks to Joseph Smith, and the, and the correct rituals weren't actually performed. And this is just things I've heard from people in church, no one of power or no one who has something to say. But um, Elijah Abel, while he has a very short tale, just from the things that we're able to find about him, I think it really it stands pretty tall above a lot of a lot of other ones because he was one of the first ones to join the church. 
but even when he tried his absolute best to remain a super strong member and get as far as he could and complete all the covenants, he couldn't because good old Brigham Young, who uh, George loves so much. <laughs> Brigham, Brigham Young said, not in my church. <laughs> not, not, not as long as I live. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no. But, um. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, but the document finishes. It says, on November 27th, 1900, Enoch Abel, son of Elijah Abel, was ordained an elder. Enoch's son, Elijah, was ordained a priest on July 5th, 1934, and an elder, September 29th, 1935. So, it kept on going down in the family. Um, that little roadblock of Brigham Young denying Elijah Abel didn't stop him in his process of uh, doing everything he can to help his family achieve salvation. So I think um, I think he's another one of those people who who are in the shadows and doesn't get the attention that I at least think that they rightfully deserve. Um, but is an avo- a very important member of the of the church, you know, at least for African Americans because they show us a completely different world because they live through so much more. Um, let's scroll on down. We're gonna get to the next document. Which is a biography, another biography uh, of Elijah Abel, and it is from J. William Marriott uh, Library. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, that's in the University of Utah. Uh, but they just have basically the same things. Um, so what I found interesting is on that website, mm-hmm. um, blacklds.org, um, there are eight comments. Um, and then some of the comments are just like, hey, like why didn't Brigham Young let him... Uh, getting doubt. One of the comments um, is from someone named William. Uh, it was published in 2015. Um, and he addresses a, uh, some uh, discrepancy about a temple. Um, but then he says why, why he was denied his endowment, I don't believe it had anything to do with race. Um, and then he says, especially the stance mm, President right. Young got Green Flake freed from slavery in 1854 and what is said in 1869 um, in 1856 Robert Smith was excommunicated dealing with slavery uh, and then he says President Young as far as I have researched and other early church members were in support for equal rights just because uh, Brigham Young did these things doesn't that's not evidence that he wasn't mm-hmm. uh, racist in that situation towards um, Elijah Abel. It's also concerning that there is no real record of that, um, especially on the the church's bibliography or mm-hmm. biographical encyclopedia. There's no mention at all of, of, of him being denied his endowments. Uh, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, if you scroll down on that website that we're on, blacklds.org, there are eight um, uh, comments on the little article that's posted. Yeah. Um, some of them are like, hey, like, why did Brigham Young deny him? Uh, one question is about um, temples. Um, of uh, So one question is, hey, I noticed that uh, someone did his endowments for him in 1930, um, and it was in this temple. Um, and then someone goes and say, hey, um, uh, it was actually... Um, uh, in this temple um, but then also in that comment they go to talk about and they say uh, why he was denied his endowment I don't believe it had anything to do with race 
um, especially the stance President Young got Green Flake freed from slavery in 1854, and what is said in 1869. Uh, just because you do, just because you do a good thing doesn't mean just because you do a good thing doesn't mean you're a bad or you're a good person. If that makes sense, you know, like you can still be racist and avoid saying a racist thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then and there's no we don't have any any account of why he was denied at all. Um, We do have. But what we do have is record of him denying Elijah Abel as well as Jane Manning Jane. Yeah, um, and uh, even in the biographical encyclopedia, the first document that we read, they didn't say anything about him being denied anything within the church. Yeah, it does not mention like, that anywhere. So it, it just like with with a lot of the things we research and a lot of the things I look into, um, at least in the beginning of my research, it made me feel like the church was trying to not really hide things, but just not talk about them as much. Because they don't, you know, they don't want it to be a popular thing. They don't want it to be common knowledge. Um, and honestly, if that was their goal, it's been effective so far. Because I've been a member for years now, and I never once thought about looking up history of black people in the church. Um, and once again, guys, that's kind of the whole reason that we're having this podcast is because we wanted to feel more included in this religion, and we wanted to hear more stories about people who look like us or from similar places as us or something you know we wanted to hear a little bit more about the black experience in the church in the early days at least um but yeah no it's incredible that in the church's biographical encyclopedia it doesn't say anything about that but everywhere else online even on blacklds.org you can find about you can find out about it you know and there are um there are some people I know George when when we talked about this before was talking about um, there are some people who don't believe that he was he was denied because of his race right yeah. is that what you were saying yeah um, yeah because there there's not a lot of record on that so we we know that he was denied um, we can infer that it was because of racism but there isn't a lot uh, there's no record on why which I feel like is wild. Like, it should be, like, some reason, like, oh, this is why. Yeah, it seems like that's something that would... That should be documented. That would be documented, yeah, for sure. Um, like, even, even, it doesn't have to be, like, super personal, super specific, but at least in some category of, like, oh, they're working on being able to go through the temple or something like that. Yeah. They're working through an issue or they don't pay their tithing or something like that. But just no and, and no reason. I feel it's a little weird. But also, if you go down, um, so under William's comment, uh, there's another comment. Um, it says Elijah Abel was a wonderful, faithful priesthood holder who served three missions for the church while loved and respected by the church. My understanding is that racial views did play a factor in him not being allowed to receive his endowments in his lifetime. Um, he did receive the washing and anointing ordinances and the endowment ordinance, which was performed for him after his passing on. Um, and they go on to say, I'm glad that Brigham Young helped uh, Greenflake and others be freed. I am sure that they are now reconciled in the spirit world to overcome the racial discrimination that did persist in this world. Yeah. No, it's... 
Yeah. People, I mean, you can, everyone, right now, we all just have inferences, right? That's what this whole podcast is about. It's about, you know, expressing our opinions and, and what we feel about this research that we found that, you know, is about people who are like us. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that that could also be the case. And, I, and we're not trying to say that Brigham Young was a terrible person who was racist. And I mean, you know, I we're not trying to say that. We're not trying to say that. But, uh, you know, you got to if a duck quacks, you know, if a duck quacks. Um, and we just heard a bit a bit of cracking, a bit of quacking. But um, let, let's go on to the next document. Uh, it's from the University of Utah. It's in their, their Marriott Library. It's a biography of Elijah Abel. Um, and I just want to skip down just because I want to pick up where we left off on the last, last document. If you skip down a little further to a section that is um, kind of on its own, it says, despite the fact that the LDS leaders denied his appeal for temple admission shortly after giving this talk, Abel persevered. In October 1883, at the age of 73, 73 years old, he accepted a mission, oh sorry, he accepted a call to serve a third mission for the church. He again traveled to Ohio where he worked and spread the Mormon gospel, a news account published in Indiana in Indiana in December 1883 noted that Elijah Abel, who resides in northern Utah territory, spent several hours here Saturday. He resided in his county near Valonia 71 years ago when there were but few white people in our country. He is 93 years old, but looks 20 years younger. Um, he persevered, which is a lot more than I could say I'd be willing to do if I gave my entire life to the church, serve with, you know, with Brother Joseph Smith himself, but I called think... to the 70 and was denied admission into the church. But I think, too, so, like, so I think one of the things we have to consider is that this was during a time of extreme racism. And so part of me wonders if if a bit of his gratitude is recognizing, like, oh, it's definitely not as bad as it could be. Um, I mean, yeah, but at some point you got to be like, at some point, you know, right from wrong. Right. Like, you know, OK. I probably shouldn't be treating people this way or or oh, yeah. on the on the other side you know like I should probably be treated this way. Um, I don't know, I think it might be hard for for Elijah able to really recognize how he should be treated in a world where he's he is being treated even better than the better standard. than be, better than the standard. Yeah. yeah and so yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. You're, it, you're right. I feel like it might be hard for him to really see how he should be treated mm. when he's when he's like already being treated so well in comparison. Yeah. It's like if in the rest of the world you're getting you're getting treated like a street dog, but in the church you're getting treated like a pet. Yeah. I mean that's a bad comparison. <laughs> I don't mean in the church you treat like like pets, but well yeah, no. I no, I get what you're saying. You're right. That is if you're if you're starting from zero and you go up to a two, a two is a ten to you, right? And it, and it could be he he recognized that and he was in still in spite of that super grateful, but I think it also has a a role of of him comparing him comparing what other people are going through. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's grateful, he's grateful, and uh, yeah, you're hundred percent right. And he might not even have that framework of of what he should be treated like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that. That's, you're right. That's true. He should 
I mean, I would I would feel grateful for having that kind of people around me and that kind of support system too. Um, I don't know though. It's just it's just a little interesting. <laughs> it's just a little interesting. Uh, I just had something. Oh, oh, it's just a little interesting. I'm just trying to think of like how crazy it would be to be someone who was there walking alongside, like he had an intimate relationship, meaning he had a close relationship with Joseph Smith. They were buds. You know what I'm saying? They were, they was friends, you know? Um, to have that kind of relationship with him and then for, for because of the church or because of your, your beliefs, and then the church tell you, hey, no, what uh, everything you had with, you know, the person who was leading us at first, that's invalid. Not everything, but that big thing, that's that's invalid. And then he had other members of the church telling him, like, oh, no, you you don't hold actual priesthood. Um, your keys aren't valid. Like, you can't do anything with that. And so that it's just it's it's a hard thing to kind of imagine him going through that. And so it. I don't know. It kind of builds my appreciation for people like that and that for African American or POC during that time period. Definitely, because I think because, and it's super sad and super messed up, but I think because Elijah wasn't as combative, um, I think he laid the groundwork of of regular church members being more accepting of people of color in the church, um, because he kind of beat the stigma of of what African-Americans look like and what what it is to interact with them. So I'm I'm definitely grateful for that because um, just his presence and his service was like, you know what, I, some some members were like, you know what, black people, may, may, maybe they're not so bad. <laughs> and they're okay. And they're, they're all right. Oh, I like them. No, 100% though. Um, no, it's, it's interesting, man. Elijah Abel, an unsung hero, a man of... Faith and Perseverance. That should be the name of his new book. But, guys, thank you again for sitting down here with us and listening to us talk about it, a little bit of our research, a little bit of our findings. Um, we encourage you to, to maybe take a minute, take five, take ten, look up Elijah Abel, look up a few other, or just Google important black people in the LDS church history. I think there's a lot of fruit here Um that we haven't seen a lot of a lot of juicy fruit that we we haven't seen and haven't gotten a taste of so um like i said this is just a small sample of all the things you can find out there look up elijah abel hear his story um and you guys have a great rest of your day agent P.